spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans for the fans. Cajun Nation, happy Monday. Welcome to Region Review. Matt Miguez here, joined as always by Jerry Abair. And we're also joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the whatever the hell you want to call him. Josh Jagno, man about town. We got a lot of talk about baseball, softball, volleyball spring game i mean the the list is a mile a minute boys welcome in how are y'all well doing well uh you guys are way too kind with those intros man give me way too much credit the man the myth the legend the whatever the hell you want to call him <laughs> yeah, that's nice more touch. fitting nice touch <laughs> So, you know, let, let, let's start with the brief stuff first. Uh, you know, obviously the, the spring game for Billy Napier and his Louisiana Rage Occasions football program was Thursday night. You know, about 2,000 people uh, were, were in attendance at Cajun Field to watch the Vermilion and White spring game. And it was it was a nail-biter down to the end. Kenny Almendaris hits the walk-off 51-yard field goal. You know, I wasn't there. I was I was doing bachelor party duties Thursday night, but you guys were both there. Uh, what were your, what were your thoughts on the team? Um, depth. That's the one thing that comes to mind is depth. Uh, I've never seen a UL football team this deep before. Um, I, I noticed, uh, coach played just about everybody he could. Um, and I found that even on, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you saw a lot of guys that you don't really hear from that really stepped up and made plays. And that's kind of been, sort of the forte for, for Billy Napier, um, you know, next man up. It doesn't matter if you're third, fourth strength, doesn't matter if you're a starter, next man up. And I found that that's one thing I saw the other night. Um, I was very pleased by the depth. And what's ironic is uh, take something like the running back position. There's two or three guys who aren't even on campus yet. One of the guys, the transfer from A&M didn't even play. And so I can only imagine in spite of the depth they have now, wait till you have the talent that comes in from, from the high school, this high school signees this year, there's going to be a few of those guys in that this recruiting class that's, that are going to step up in the fall. And it showed last night, not last night, but uh, last Thursday night on the, the quality of depth, the quality of talent. Um, I'll be honest with you guys. This was probably the most impressive, not only because it was an exciting game, but probably one of the most impressive spring games, judging by the talent that this team has. It's going to be a lot of fun in the fall. This team has, has a lot of potential to do some great things. Well, as far as I'm concerned, uh, there are two things that really stand out when you talk about the spring game. I made the joke that there were more people there to see the 2021 spring game than the entire Baldwin era combined. I was uh, mostly shocked at how large the crowd was. I mean, home side was pretty clustered up. Uh, They had, you know, your renegade kids rolling down the hill, which was great to see. Just, you know, a, a little bit of sense of normalcy. Uh, and then you, you even had guys over there on the, uh, on the opposing side and, and in the end zone. So, you know, that was awesome. It was just awesome to see the interest in Cajuns football. Uh, but the second thing that really stood out 
And everybody's favorite player on the team is always the backup quarterback. Okay. So I'm not saying anything groundbreaking, but <laughs> yeah, no, no Chandler shit. Fields. How was Chandler Fields? <laughs> My gosh. Uh, I tell you what, he looks the part. He's got size. Uh, his ball is on the money more often than not. He made a couple of throws falling backwards on his back foot that were right in the bread basket. That was interesting and uh, very encouraging. So th- those two things probably stand out to people that showed. But the third thing I would say is that uh, the offensive line, both what you would call the one and the two unit. I mean, I, I can't remember a more impressive looking uh, set of O-lines at this program. I mean, I, there is none uh, outside of Dotson and, and uh, Hunt. I mean, look, <laughs> we've got some, we've got some elite level talent in D1 on this offensive line. Uh, and, and then the last thing I would say is that the, the linebacking core looks fast, physical, and very, very good in coverage for the most part. They did get caught looking in the backfield a few times on play actions. Uh, and you might credit that to the offensive scheme and the offensive uh, players, uh, Levi included in that. But uh, I'll tell you what, Chris Moncrief and Farad Gardner, uh, they might be like some of the best linebackers in the nation. And I'm not just, I don't feel like that's hyperbole. Chris Moncrief looks like a dog. Yeah, oh. I, I was very surprised. I mean, every single play on defense and Moncrief was in there, he was present. He was there. Whether it was a tackle, he was on top of the ball. I mean, that man can just sniff a football. And one thing that I found that was very impressive with the front seven as a whole is how quick they are off the line. We talked about, you know, the offensive line and how deep they are, how talented they are. But they were challenged. I thought they were very much challenged, especially on the defensive line. I mean, Taylor Humphrey, I mean, big sauce. He he just he he fully played to his reputation the other night as just someone who's so aggressive on the interior D line. And you know, I understand why you look at guys like Trey Regis, Chris Smith, Elijah Mitchell, why they're so good and why they were so good in uniform. Because when you have to practice against that every day, when you go play other teams in the conference, even teams that are not in the conference, another G five school, even in Iowa State. You, you have great preparation when you're playing against the front seven like the, the, the front seven we have. You have to play it every day. It's kind of like what Nick Saban says at Alabama. The game is easy when you're playing that type of talent. So that's one thing that I like. I do kind of like the fact, especially at practices and scrimmages, especially for us, I do like the fact when the defense does tend to sometimes outplay the offense because, number one, we know how good the offense is. But number two, it goes to show you they're challenged. And that also goes to show you that Patrick Tony has something great setting up for his defense this year. I got a chance to see Patrick uh, out at a local watering hole recently and walk right up to him. And I gave him a little pat and shook his hand and said, hey, man, thanks for Iowa State. And we both got a good laugh out of that. But, you know, I think the spring game was a little bit of a culmination uh, Billy's had three and a half years to build this program. And I think that he's built it into the mold that he was looking for. And, you know, you see why he puts such emphasis on great walk-ons, great preferred walk-ons and having a great support system uh, to build that secondary and third lineup and fourth lineup. So to where, look, when you get on the practice field, you are, you are facing quality players day in and day out. And I think that that really builds a team over time. Uh, the last thing I'll say about what I saw at the spring game was I'm thrilled about this wide receiver core. I think we've got talent up and down. I think we've got size up and down. I really like Cambry in the slot. I really like Paulie in the slot. Uh, Stevens looks like the real deal as, as advertised. Uh, Jalen is about 35 years old, but he still should be able to produce at a high level. Uh, man, look, I, I don't know that 
there is a ceiling to this team and it's very exciting. Jalen Williams, if you're, if you're listening, I know you listen every once in a while. Tell, tell this man to put some respect on your name. Thir- looking like look, a 35-year-old? Come on, man. Look, JJ is my boy. We hang out from time to time, so he will get a good laugh out of that. But uh, <laughs> I want to see Jalen catch some touchdowns this year. I mean, he, he, he may very well be our, our leading receiver this year. But, you know, like you said, John Stevens Jr. looked impressive. Kyron Lacey and Errol Rogers Jr., they showed up, you know, like like they did all season long last year. Wide receiver, in my opinion, is definitely it's probably it's probably our deepest group. Um, and it and it's the one that I'm most excited about. What's going to be interesting, and I don't want to dive too deep into it. We'll save this conversation for a later episode. I think there's gonna be a quarterback competition this summer. I, I look if that happens, I won't be shocked. I think it's Levi's team. It's his job to lose. Uh, you know, Catherine and I had this conversation. She said, "You know, what? What is the what's the hesitation to play fields?" And I said, "Well, look, you got the winningest quarterback by percentage in the history of Cajuns football. He owns probably twenty five offensive records. Uh, the guy has led the team in in uh, really throughout the transitional phase from from HUD to um, yep. to Billy's." era outside of, you know, Nunez for that one year, but he was a big part of the offense. I think Billy trusts him. He's a hard worker. He knows the offense. Uh, the team looks up to him. Uh, he is a good leader. Uh, I, I, if there is a battle, maybe it's just motivational in nature, not necessarily the real right. deal, uh, but nothing but good can come from Chandler Fields pushing Levi. Only good things can come from that. Yeah. And and I want to add on to that. You know, the thing about Levi is that, first of all, this is I don't think there's going to be a quarterback competition. This is Levi's team. I mean, he's been his team for the past two seasons. It's going to be his team for his third straight year. Um, He's got a lot of hype coming in. It's going to be his last year. So, of course, he's going to try to make the best of and he's a great leader both on and off the field. And the players want to play for him. He's 21 and four as a starter. We've never had a quarterback that has had that type of success. But I will say this. I don't think that there's going to be necessarily an issue with debating whether or not there's going to be a, a competition to be his backup. I think there's going to be a huge competition to be his backup. We saw it the other night. There's three or four guys that could be, um, that could be his backup. And, you know, in regards to, in regards to um, the, the reps that guys like Chandler Fields were getting, you know, I think it was coach Napier that said it, or one of the coaches said it, or I think I heard it on the show the other day. Um, last year, judging by the circumstances, there was no spring football. A lot of the games were close. So you really didn't have a game where you were able to play your backup quarterbacks because most of the games came within 10 points, right? So Levi had to play pretty much all of the 60 minutes. I think this season, now that we have a spring, now that with the fact that we, you know, I think we're going to dominate some teams, we're going to be able to see more quarterbacks behind Levi, hopefully get some reps into where you'll see some people be able to see what they can do to be his backup. Because look, this is his last year. We're going to have to have a backup. I mean, (laughs) and especially knock on wood, but, if he gets hurt, you know, you got to have somebody ready to go. Yeah. Remind me what that ULM score was in 2020. 70 to 20. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to see Chandler Fields that day. Yeah, I think yeah. I think we all did. Louisiana football Billy Napier will lead them into Austin, Texas on September 4th for what is, what is more than likely going to be a top 25 matchup uh, between the Longhorns and the Raging Cajuns on uh, Labor Day weekend. Guys, before we get into baseball and softball, big news yesterday for the volleyball program. Christy Gray 
will be introduced today as the new volleyball coach at the University of Louisiana. She will be the 13th head coach for the Raging Cajuns program. Now, I'm reading this off of a press release from Odessa College. Um, listen to these impressive numbers. She had a record of 125 and 37 in her five years as head coach. She took the team to two junior college D1 national tournaments, finishing ninth and sixth, respectively. Three times she was named Conference Coach of the Year, and she was twice named the Junior College Southwest District Coach of the Year. She led, she led Odessa to three conference championships. Three of her players were named Junior College All-Americans. She coached three conference players of the year and had 20 athletes named to the all-conference volleyball team. Academically, under Gray, 25 student athletes were named Junior College Academic All-Americans, and 100% of her players that stayed in the program for two years graduated with a degree. Bet TJ likes that. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're all about academic standards in Louisiana. Don't, I mean, any, anything, hey, look, anything to increase graduation rate, right? Oh, we need it. But look, uh, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be some volleyball savant. Her numbers speak for herself, themselves, and uh, Maggard has made a couple of pretty phenomenal hires. So I trust the guy at the top, and uh, hopefully he, she can bring that success to Louisiana. Be good. Yeah, I, I definitely trust Dr. Maggard's judgment. I mean, he's he's spot on when it comes to coaching hires. Um, you know, you look at her record, that's what, 75% winning percentage. She's yeah. brought her teams to the, the national stage. And look, I mean, she's got some big shoes to fill. Coach Heather Fontenot was here for a while. She built some great, great years here, built a good program. And the good news is, is that you have somebody who can pick it up. I mean, look, she's a coach. Coach Gray is a fairly young coach. And so she's got she's got a lot of potential to to grow her own career here. And I think that she's definitely got the tools needed. She's got the the um, the accolades. She's got the resources needed to be successful. And and look, the the first step is you want to always not only compete for a winning season, but if she can put this team, just like Lance Key's doing with soccer, you want to compete for a conference championship. You compete for a conference championship, you get into the postseason, you build off of that. Yep. And then when you build off of that, the rest is history. And I think, look, our volleyball program was ranked in the top 25 at one point last year. Uh, we've actually had a few really good seasons where we've been very competitive. And so I think this coach has a really good chance to come in here and do some great things. Uh, like I said, her, her track record speaks for itself regardless of if she was in junior college or the G5, wherever. Um, so I'm very excited about it. Uh, you know, regardless if it's volleyball, football, whatever sport that may be, at the end of the day, you're still a raging Cajun. We want what's best for the program. And I think she's going to be a great addition to that. Yeah, no, no question about it. All right, guys, you know, let's, let's, let's get into baseball now. And I'm going to open this conversation with a statistic and then a question. In the last eight days, the Cajuns are two and five. Only one game has been at home. Factor it in that what you will. Two games. Yeah, no, one game. Sorry, one game has been at home. Here's my question. Is there something in the water that just needs to be filtered out? Or is this a sign of things to come? I, I guess I'll take this one. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be easy. I'm going to take my time here. Uh, I am not a person who believes in home or away splits. I don't, I definitely don't believe in it with this particular team. If you look at the teams we've played, 
home away, starting pitching, the way they hit the ball, the type of baseball they play. It's very clear to me what's going on. This Cajun team bludgeons bad pitching and they struggle against competent pitching. Now, whether that's talent on the roster, I don't think it's talent on the roster, by the way, but if that's the issue, that's one thing. Maybe it's the approach that we take. Uh, Maybe it's the the approach we take in a conference series uh, as opposed to a midweek game. Uh, You know, whatever. There can be arguments made either way. The bottom line is that good pitching, especially power pitching. You saw that on Saturday against Mr. Funk up in Little Rock. Power pitching tends to overwhelm this offense. And kind of middle of the road, especially relief pitching, does not. And then we can take it from there. But uh, just specific to your question, that is my opinion on what I'm watching. What I'm seeing right now, I noticed that there's been, um, and that's been kind of the big topic amongst fans. Um, You know, before I say anything, I'm not a coach. I'm just a fan. And I'm going to play armchair. I don't know. We say armchair quarterback for football. I guess I'll be an armchair catcher, armchair pitcher here. I don't know, armchair batter. Um, I find that sometimes when you, when you, when you tend to uh, move around the lineups, a lot of times you play musical chairs with the lineups, especially based on matchups. It's understandable, right? You're trying to play the lineups based against the roster you're playing against based on the pitches you're going against. One thing I find with our guys is that I find that sometimes when the lineups get kind of played around a little too much, sometimes they don't respond. And it shows on the field, uh, the inconsistencies at the plate, the inconsistencies of performances in certain days. And I understand that that's baseball, but I can tell sometimes it tends to affect them in many ways. And of course, it goes into what Josh said about facing pitching, say facing good pitching or bad pitching. Um, you know, some days when you're when you're in, some days when you're out, uh, when you have a little bit of inconsistency there, even when you're moving positions, um, you know, whether it's in the infield, in the outfield, whether you're DHing, whether you go in in the sixth inning. You know, it's very difficult to stay consistent. And I find that, you know, my biggest thing or biggest concern is moving around the lineup too much when you have a bunch of players that are being inconsistent. I think that kind of plays into a little bit of what we've seen the past seven or eight games. Um, Last weekend, include that with the fact that you go to South Alabama, your first game is played on Sunday night when on a regular weekend you're, you're on the bus back to Lafayette. Add that in with a doubleheader where you just don't show up. Now you're up against, you know, you're 0 3. Well, you see, so, Jerry, you know, you and I talked about that the other day. You know, it, it's one of those things, and I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in this. The, the weekend, having gone from playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday to playing Sunday, doubleheader Monday, throws the visiting team off completely. Because think think about it. If you're if you're Louisiana in that situation, you're basically stuck in a hotel room. Maybe scrambling to find a high school field that you can practice on, you know, so on, so forth. South Alabama, right. those kids are staying in their own houses, sleeping in their own beds, eating their own food, and going through their same daily routine that they go through every day. I don't yeah, think I, I don't because it that and, and obviously it showed on the field that it didn't affect South Alabama nearly as much as it affected us. Well, I don't think, and look, I'm not using that as a way to say that's the reason why we got swept. I mean, well, the reason no. why we got swept is because I we didn't show factor, up, though. but 
But it is, I think it is a little bit of a factor because think about it this way. You take, you got to, you, you get your whole entire schedule mixed there. Then you come back for a game on Wednesday. And then the very next day you're on a bus ride to Little Rock, you know, and, and that affects it a little bit. And don't get me wrong. These are 19 to 22, 23 year old players. They've got the energy to be able to maintain that at the same time. Um, you know, also too, when you get swept by a team that really we should have won the series against, I think we were good enough to win the series against mentally that messes them up too. It's, it's, it's about how do you respond to adversity? Um, that's why I think that game yesterday, the Sunday game where they came back from a four, two deficit and responded with a vengeance. I think that's why that, that win yesterday, in my opinion, might be one of the most important win, wins on the win, schedule that win yet. Was crucial. I think that was one of the most important wins on the schedule yet, because guess what? You've got an eight game homestand now against competition. That's not quite up to par with what we're capable of. You know, it's just not competition's weak moving forward. I, I'm not trying to be mean, but you know, no, Texas state, isn't the true. Texas state. It's not Texas state of two years ago. We're playing North Alabama, probably one of the worst teams in the country right now. According God, to the I wish RPI. that game was canceled. We've got, we're playing a UL Monroe team tomorrow night who we've that swept already smash. at their house. I mean, right. so yeah, I mean, now getting that win on Sunday should tell the team, look, you're obviously you're capable. You, 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 you could have gotten swept. You could have, you could have given up down four two in the fifth inning yesterday. And you didn't, you, you, you stepped up, you won the game. Now you got an eight game homestand against, you know, not, not so qualified competition. Go get the job done. Go yes. get, go get those losses back. Go take care of business and get hot because guess what? The tournament's right around the corner. Yesterday was a Tony Robichaux type of win. No question. They grinded. And that, that, was, I mean, that, was, that was crucial. It was a Tony Robichaux type of win. That was crucial on all ends. All ends of defense, offense, pitching. I mean, you name it. It was, it was crucial. Well, you guys mentioned South Al. So let's go back to that and then maybe try to put some – put this thing on the rails where we can kind of chronologically go down the path and, and figure some stuff out here. South Al beat us because they play baseball while we try to play gorilla ball. South Al beat us because they pitch and they play defense and they get timely hitting. They beat us because when they get men in scoring position, they, they get them home. You look at their numbers, it's absolutely uncanny. It's almost 50% of the time that they have runners in scoring position, they get them home. It's wild. We are in game, I think it was 32 at the time, and we don't have a regular starting lineup. South Al, Friday, I'm sorry, Sunday, you had one lineup. Monday morning, you had another lineup and a different defensive uh, lineup. And then Monday afternoon, something different. This past Friday, you had a lineup. Saturday, you had a different lineup. Sunday, you had a different lineup. It is a rare human being who can sit on a bench or move around in the field or, or juggle responsibilities and be able to step up to the plate and just flat out rake. Even Ben Fitzgerald, who hits something like 370 as a DH, hits around 220 as a position player. You can look that up. We have some issues that are not necessarily talent-based. We've got to find consistency. I found it very interesting that Matt Deggs came out a couple of weeks ago and, and kind of went on a monologue about how consistency is important and he needs to find consistency out of his guys. Well, my natural response to that would be, don't the guys need some consistency out of you too, coach? Because that's what I would think. And I don't think that that's unfair. I, I think that Matt Deggs is still early in his his 
tenure here. So of course we're going to give them time to learn a few things about what we expect as fans or whatever. Not that he really cares about what we expect as fans, but just saying that as a Cajuns baseball fan, all three of us have been watching a type of a baseball, a brand of baseball, as long as we've been on this earth under Tony Robichaux. Uh, we're not, this is a, this is a totally different deal. This is a whole new thing. Uh, hard to explain exactly what we're watching, but I understand you need dudes and you need, you know, quote unquote assholes and you need alphas and all this stuff. Well, those alphas have to, they have to have a defined role and position on the team. Does, does anybody discount that? Uh, am, am I going off in left field here? Well, that's that's what I would, that was my point. I mean, you know, changing the lineups every other day throws, I mean, throws you off. And then when you go in a slump and you get moved mentally, that takes its toll on you. And look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not coach Deggs. I'm not the coaching staff. I, I'm again, I'm just a fan, but you can sometimes see it. You can sometimes see it on the field. You can sometimes see it when you're watching. And, you know, I'm not going to question the coaching staff because look, they're paid to do a job. And I, I would, and that's actually going to be uh, part of my uh, raging review rant today about the coaches. There's people out there ready to throw the towel in on a staff that hasn't even coached a full season yet. You know, as much as we, as much as uh, we have expectations for the coaching staff, this is, this is Matt Dex's first four years of coach, yeah. you know, with a brand new roster, he's still learning. I mean, everybody's still learning. And, the players are still learning about and each you know, other. You know, Jerry, Jerry you, and I, you and I talked about this, you know, about a month ago. You know, we, we talked about the, the lineup and how you reach a point in the season where your lineup has to stop changing. Yeah. You have to have your nine guys that you're going to roll with through thick or thin, hell or high water. This is your lineup. Mm-hmm. But we're not seeing that. And so what's happening is, you know, you have a guy, you know, say you have a guy like Kevin Fitzgerald, you know, he plays three or four straight games, gets in a consistent rhythm of playing good defense, getting timely hits, all that, and you know, all that good stuff. And then out of nowhere, he's benched for a week. Mm-hmm. How, how do you expect the kid to stay in his consistent rhythm if he's constantly going back and forth? Well, I also think too is 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 not just the fact, like you said, you brought up Fitz. Well, what does Fitz play? He's an infielder. I mean, we're rotating a lot in the and, infield and the, right and now. The hot and, corner, no less. Yeah, and that's and what's tough is it's like especially like a position like shortstop. We know Bobby Ladey is our shortstop, but then the next day Brett Bagornio might be getting reps because Bobby Ladey is bobbling three or four different see, grounders that, that, that that's, turn that's into the errors. Key. That's the key. This that's exactly what's happening. Kid makes an error. Kid gets benched. It can't work like that. It can't. Because well, you, what, you, you what don't you, have consistency. Do, what, yeah. what you do in that mo- I th- and and people might call this a hot take, and people might kill me for this. <laughs> I think pulling Hayden Dirt from the weekend rotation was the stupidest thing you could have done. Well, he's a freshman. Said it when it happened. And, and, said, said it when it happened. That was the stupidest thing, thing you could have done. Another thing that you, you this this look, I'm not going to kill the coaching staff, but I will say I have a couple of things that I'd like to get off my chest. When you set a precedent by allowing a kid like Tr, who is a stud by all accounts, the team likes him. Don't get me wrong; there's no animosity that I know of. But when you see a kid stare at a, at a ball that he hits that he thinks is a home run and ends up costing you a baseball game, and that guy's not sitting down the next Sunday, that's a problem. 
When you see a guy like Hayden Dirk get shelled at USM and then sit out there and his coaches can't figure out that he's tipping pitches, but fans in the stands can. Okay. And then you yank him out of the lineup after that. And the kid can't even get his confidence enough to get on the Hill in a relief situation. That's not all his fault. Okay. That you, you can't, you have to understand that you're managing personalities and confidence just as much as you're managing a lineup and a pitching staff. Yeah. You, you can't, you, you can't bench a kid for one mistake. You want to, you want to talk about a confidence killer. I mean, well, and, there, and also, there it is right there. And, and also Hayden's a freshman. And I bring that up because, you know, if there's any time to learn, it's now, you know, as a freshman, learn it now, learn how to face the adversity. Young and if pitcher, you slip up, you slip up. Coach, young pitcher, young coach. If you can excuse my French, let them fuck up. This is the year to do it. Because here's the thing. It is. First full year as head coach, first full year as head coach, expectations are low. If you're gonna make mistakes and you're gonna miss out on the postseason because of those mistakes and whatever, this is the year to do it. It it is the year to do it, but having said that, this is the best pitching staff Matt Deggs is ever gonna have. Uh, also they true. have they have had some moments this yeah. year where they haven't necessarily shown that, but they're we are not gonna be top to bottom the way we are this year. And that is concerning to me going forward. But, you know, going back to Dirk, it's not that a kid doesn't have the stuff and it's not, it's not that he can't get his confidence back. The, the problem is, is what you told him before you yanked him and sat him down out of the rotation. You told him that he was the best pitcher on the team. You told him he was good enough to be your opening day starter. You told him that he had good stuff, but we got to tweak your arms a lot to get you just that much better. And when the kid tips some pitches, you left him out there to get killed. And, you, and then and then he's not good enough to start two weeks from now. He's not good enough to come in in a release situation. He's not good enough to start on a Sunday. You know, that's hard. That's hard for me to swallow as a fan. I can't imagine what it was like for a 19 year old kid to have to deal with that. Right. And, and and we already knew coming in that Hayden, you know, as great of a pitcher as he is, when you're 18, 19 years old, and let's say, for instance, and we see it a lot today, there's pitchers out there. And I don't know if, if Hayden's like this or not, but. You know, you give up a walk, you give up a run, you know, your, your, your mental state isn't quite up to par with, you know, learning how to face that adversity because you may be a little bit of, you know, I might have some immaturity at the collegiate level for that. I mean, look, you, you take them out and you're basically like, you can't play for now because of your, you know, whether you're in timeout or you're just not stepping up that, that put, that takes a toll on anybody. I mean, that's not just a freshman. That's, that takes a toll on any, any player. And I think right now, in my honest opinion, as much as I like Hayden, I wish I would see him more in the midweek. I mean, if you're not going to play him in the weekend, at least let him start in the midweek. Let him rotate with maybe an why, Austin Parent, a, a Jack Burke. Let those. Why doesn't let him he start mix, tomorrow man, night? Some reps. Why doesn't he start I, I would, tomorrow I night? I would. I'd be down for that. Let him here's, pitch here's him for three thing. or four innings. What, here's here's the thing. Say he starts tomorrow night, and and this is hypothetical, of course. Say he starts tomorrow night and absolutely botches it. You know, ULM comes in and kicks our ass. Here's the thing. We've beat him three out of four times this year. Would that loss really be, you know, extremely detrimental at this point? Well, well I think I can see I can see an argument for yes or no, but the point is is that this is where Tony was excellent. He would let you learn your lesson on a game like tomorrow. He would let you learn, he would let you learn, you know, in a blowout, you know, not that we've been blowing a lot, a lot of people out of the water, but you don't think that Hayden Dirk could have helped. I'm sorry. 
Uh, Carter Robinson could have helped you on uh, Arkansas State Sunday. I know he, he'll give you three, four runs, but he's not going to allow five and six to, to leave the yard. I mean, he's not – and I know we're talking about Dirk, but I was going to cross-reference to uh, to Carter. Carter, it was a similar situation where there was some sort of mix-up with the coaching staffs. He wasn't allowed to come back and kind of work his way back into the rotation. They gave him one relief and then one start, and he didn't even know. You know, I can go a little <laughs> bit further into that, but I'm not going to. I, I'm just saying, like – when the kids don't know what to expect, how the hell do you expect them to get better and then progress ahead of where they started? Well, I think with, with what Tony, the point you tried to make about Tony was he did the same thing with Andy Grow in 2000. He let him start against LSU. And of course, we all know LSU won the national championship that year. That was Skip Burtman, Gorilla Ball, LSU. Goes to Baton Rouge, gets rocked. And, you know, all the fans are criticizing him going, what come on, Rob, why are you playing the freshman against LSU? They're, they're going to crush us. And lo and behold, if he doesn't play that game against LSU in that midweek game, he doesn't w- get that win on the mound in game two of the Super Regional against South Carolina. That experience at Alex Box, where he gave up those 10 or so runs against LSU in that midweek game, prepared him for the stage when the Cajuns relied on him to keep the season alive in Columbia, South Carolina that year. And, and sure enough, he won that game. And then the rest is history, right? Sometimes you got to, <laughs> I hate to say it. Sometimes you got to put some of these pitchers in the meat grinder. Sometimes you got to let them, you know, let them struggle, let them struggle, 100%. let them give up runs. And, 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 you know, then guess what? You're prepared now for the bigger stage. Uh, I, I we keep going back to Andy Grow is a prime example of that. So I just feel that's kind of the same situation with, with Hayden. He's still a freshman. And here's the thing, Eric Getty, I know he's only a sophomore, but if he's eligible for the draft and he gets drafted, who, who, I mean, and maybe Carter, I don't know if Carter is a junior or not, but if he, if he gets, if he gets drafted or goes or leaves, what do you, what do you do next? I mean, get, who do you have left? You've got Hayden. Hayden's the guy next year and he's going to be the one that's going to be on the mound. So, and especially during the weekend. So, you know, again, I keep repeating myself. I'm not a coach. I'm not trying to question the coach's decisions, but at the same time, I'm one of those fans that say, look, even if in spite of trying to get to a regional or whatever, we knew this year, we didn't, I didn't look, I just wanted a winning season this year. I knew it was a brand new team. It was a brand new start. Just let the kid get reps. If he gives up 10 runs, he gives up, gives up 10 runs. Let the kid get some reps. He's going to need it for next year. Yeah. Yeah. No question about it. Josh, anything else you want to add? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, there's a ton of stuff I could say, but we're going to lose a lot of this pitching staff, probably 60% of this, of this pitching staff next year. The season's not over. I think we're in a good spot. Uh, all things considered, I know we're in a funk right now, but I'd rather be playing my best baseball at the end of the year than in the middle of the year. You know what I mean? So uh, there was some some waning interest this past week. So uh, that is con- that's concerning to me as a fan. I hope people are not starting to give up on this squad. If they are, they're making a mistake. I still like the guys. I like the team we have, um, despite what we've seen so far. I think we're super talented. I think we have a great pitching staff and I think we can hit. I just think that we need to figure out in the dugout, you know, between the four coaches, what is our plan going forward? And everybody needs to be on the same page. And I think when, when we figure that out and we start moving in the the same direction as one, uh, I think that we can really start knocking some wins down, but uh, I'm excited to talk about little rock because I got a bunch of notes. We'll do that when we come back from break. You know, we have a we have a game tomorrow night against UL Monroe. First pitch, 6 p.m. at Russo Park. You can hear the pregame 
ESPN 1420 beginning at 530 with Jay Walker and Brad Topham. When we take a break, we'll come back. We'll talk about the Little Rock series from this past weekend for baseball. We'll dive into softball and how fans being mad at 35 and 9 is a good problem to have. Stay tuned. Rage Interview will be right back. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Acadiana business owners, are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing and combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security Team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from Solutions Specialist, Anna Bourgeois. Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your Solutions Specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about. Contact Anna today at 337-210-4272 or email Anna at Vaulted Security. Award Master, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Award Master creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, acrylic, and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni, as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rage and Review trust Award Masters for all of their needs, and you will too. Award Masters is so much more than just an award shop. Give Award Masters a call today, 337-984-1414, or go to awardmaster.com. Award Master, the recognition and personalization experts.
Welcome back to Region Review. Matt Miguez, Jerry Bear, Josh Jagno. We're going to wrap this one up here in a few minutes. Guys, let's quickly get into the Little Rock series from this past weekend. The Cajuns dropping two out of three to the Trojans. Um, Friday and Sat- Friday night was an 8-2 to two loss. Saturday was a game that the Cajuns gave away to the Trojans on a silver platter. And then Sunday, like we like we talked about earlier yesterday, was just a, a Tony Robust Tony Robichaux style victory, seven to four. You know, now we, we're looking we're talking about that series, and we're also looking forward to tomorrow night against UL Monroe. You know, guys, what what were y'all's what were y'all's thoughts on this weekend? And do you think that yesterday's game gets you back on track? Well, first of all, I thought the first two games, and I, I ranted about it on. I was furious on Saturday after that that heartbreaking loss. I, I thought the team didn't show up on Friday and, and add that in with the fact that Little Rock just came out to play. Um, we just looked lost. We looked like we didn't want to be there. Uh, we didn't scrap. Um, you know, we just, it just, it just wasn't a good game. And then Saturday uh, we really didn't, to me, I didn't think we showed up till the eighth inning. And all of a sudden we start playing you know, the raging Cajun grinding baseball brand that we're so used to seeing. And then, of course, uh, just bad karma strikes us on on such a just a bad error to lose that in the most heartbreaking way. It's like the it's almost like we, we've been cursed uh, leading up to that moment. But of course, yesterday, um, you know, take an early lead, start trailing four to two, and all of a sudden, the team just comes back and just dominates and and just plays the typical raging Cajun baseball that we know and love. Starts hitting the ball in the gap. Starts making big outs on defense. Pitching, I thought, did a great job, especially the bullpen coming in, stepping up when they had to, especially at times when Little Rock had a chance to come back. We kept the door shut, and uh, we got we got the job done yesterday. Um, like I said, probably one of the biggest wins of the season, one of the biggest wins of the season, mainly due to the fact that we have uh, an eight-game stretch coming up that should work in our favor uh, quality-wise. So just overall, very up-and-down uh, weekend series, but – and even though we lost two out of three, we could have easily given up on, on Sunday, but we didn't. Uh, we got the job done, and hopefully that win yesterday can start off a, a nice little win streak moving forward. Uh, I would say that Saturday was probably the toughest loss as a fan. Um, man, I, I can't tell you the last one that really just ripped your heart out like that. Um, I thought that that was as big of a loss as Sunday was a big win. And a lot of people can say, well, you shot, you salvaged the game and you, you got out of there with your tail between your legs. But look, the fact of the matter is, is that you got to start building back somewhere. Season's not over. I mean, we're halfway through. Uh, Sunday was an absolute must win. And I give credit to the guys that came out and they swung later in the innings and they jumped all over some what I would consider subpar pitching. You know, Barkley is a very good reliever. He's one of the best in the Sun Belt, but they used him uh, before in the weekend. So we've seen him. The guys had a feel for what he was going to try to do to him. And uh, I, I thought they took advantage of, of, of Walner. I, I think that they got deep into that pin and then, you know, they made him pay. That's what you got to do is a good offense. That's what a good club, a good hitting team does. Um, I thought Friday, I don't necessarily think we didn't show up. I think Friday was one of those games where you see a, a pitcher that you think you, you can hit and he shows up with, his best stuff. I mean, I think that kid had some of his best stuff. I've seen him on tape before against South Al. And while he was good, he wasn't that good. And he just came in and blew away guys. I think the first six hitters 
uh, six of the first eight hitters struck out against him. Um, his name is slipping slip my mind right now for some reason, but the Friday night starter, it started with an A or something. Uh, Hayden Arnold. I keep going to say it. Arnold. Hayden Arnold. That's what it was. Yeah, man. He had uh, a diabolical changeup. He had, I mean, he painted the fastball where he needed to. I was impressed with him myself. Uh, he showed that he is a capable Friday night starter. And I think we were overwhelmed. Um, I will say, though, on Friday, for the first time in about two months, he played error-free baseball. And you did that with Brett Borgonio at short. And you did that with some guys in places that I think fans want to see more of. Uh, and, and I say Brett at short because it was his second start, start at shortstop. And his two uh, starts at shortstop, they've made one error. Neither were his. Uh, he made some great plays in the hole and otherwise. Uh, and I know Saturday he made the, the throw that wasn't the best throw. Uh, obviously, you want a better throw in that situation. Uh, ben Fitzgerald really didn't complete that transaction like you'd like to see it. But look, it's a hard-fought game on Saturday. You go to extras. It's a gut punch. You didn't make a play. You tried to make a play. It didn't work out for you. Um, and again, credit for them. Credit to them for showing up on Sunday. But, you know, Friday and Saturday, you struck out 12 on Friday and struck out 11 on Saturday. So you struck out 23 times Friday and Saturday. You're not going to do much damage when you can't put the ball, the ball in play. Um, you know, your defense play turned zero double plays this entire weekend. That's something that we, you know, you don't typically see uh, from a Cajuns team. No double plays in an entire series. That's tough, you know. But, you know, you play in the Cracker Jack Park. They, they got a couple of balls to leave the yard. They On Friday, the one that Kimple had to chop his feet in the outfield because the outfield was wet and then he ended up slipping on the track. You know, that's a catchable fly ball. Uh, those were the first two runs that they scored. That's a totally different game on Friday if, if Kimple's able to catch that baseball. Uh, I think Friday was just a combination of lots of uh, unfortunate moments. Um, we didn't maybe take the starter as seriously as we should have maybe. I, I'm not sure. But, you know, there's a lot of things that you can look back this weekend, and uh, I think it kind of tells the tale of the season so far. Some bad luck, some some timely situations where you couldn't get a hit. And really just once they punched you in the mouth, you didn't respond. Yeah, I, I was very pleased. I mean, like you said, it was kind of the best of times, worst of times, right? Or vice versa. You lose that heartbreaker. Most teams quit on Sunday when something like that happens, especially when you're in a slump like we were, like we've been in. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of times they just say, you know, it's kind of like what Coastal Carolina did. Uh, same thing happened that Monday game where we played them gave up one hit, didn't do anything. I mean, they pretty much were, you know, coastal, coastal Carolina, right? You beat, you dominate them on Sunday. And then that Monday they were just ready to go home. They were like, look, let's get this over with and let's get on the bus back to, back to Conway. And, you know, the Cajuns could have done that on uh, uh, yesterday. They could have done that after such a heartbreaking loss. Um, you can tell on TV how dejected the team was on a play like that, a misplay. And then lo and behold, yesterday they come out and they, they punch him in the mouth and they get the job done. So, I'm glad to see that there's still there's still a light at the end of the tunnel because there's still a little bit of fire left in this team. Uh, they've done a great job responding to adversity. And again, I've said it at once. I'll say it again. The schedule gets easier. So hopefully yep. they can take advantage of it and, and get hot at the right time, especially now. There's talks of postseason. There's talks of what we're going to do in the tournament. Now's the time to get hot. And I think the schedule works perfectly in their favor for that. 100%. You know, like we said before the break, baseball plays – Host to the Warhawks tomorrow night, 6 p.m. First pitch, 5.30 pregame on 14.20. Gentlemen, softball, you know, this is this is what this is what blows my mind. Let's talk about this. 
you know, you, you go on the road to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which in both football and softball, one of the toughest places in the country to play top five team every year, you know, so on and so forth. The Cajuns put up a fight on Saturday. We come away with a five to three loss, had a chance to win it right there in the, in the seventh, got some base runners on and just couldn't, you know, couldn't seal the deal Sunday, five to one, not so much, uh, little less offensively, uh, from, from a performance standpoint, but regardless, you go into Tuscaloosa to play the number five team in the country and you put up a fight in both games. So you come back home after those two losses with a 35 and nine record and your remaining games are a three game set with coastal and a three game set with ULM and fans are sitting here. I I have heard softball fans say that they are nervous about the performance of this team. Well, let's be honest. I mean, look, you've lost Raina O'Neill. You've lost Alyssa Dalton. I mean, that's two of your best hitters. I mean, we, 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 we're out, we're without two or three of our best hitters in our lineup and we've been able to still get the job done. Look, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, the fact that they've been able to be this successful is impressive in itself. That, look, I'm thing. not, we, we lost, we've lost two of our batters. One of them incredibly early on in the year and we're still 35 and nine. Well, I, I'm not, I'm not one of those people. Look, I'm not going to say, look, we should, I think we should have, don't give up that one bad inning on Saturday. We win that you game win that on game. Saturday, Absolutely. but at the same time, you got to look at the circumstances, you know, unfortunately uh, we're, we're without some of our best players and right now, and yet we're still in the top 25 and we're still 35 and nine. I mean, right. And so we've seen what injuries can do in another UL sports. I mean, we just went through it with basketball, right? We've been going through it with basketball and you see the difference, you see the difference, but at the same time, this team, in spite of injuries, they're still maintaining a top 25 ranking. They're still number one in the conference. They're still dominating. I mean, I can't, you lose your, one of your key, two or three of your key starters. What do you expect? Um, especially when you go to Alabama, a dynasty, right? So, yes, they were competitive. No, it's not, I'm not happy that they didn't, they, they couldn't win. But in spite of that, look, I mean, you're limited on what you can do with the teams that we have. So, you know, I mean, look, at, at the end of the day, Right now, um, you, t- you get the job done those last two series. You should be able to go six for six. You win the conference. You get into a regional, and you see what you can do to compete. I'll be honest with you. This is one of Jerry Glasgow's finest jobs he's done in spite of the roster situation. Um, you know, there were a lot of question marks after that Baylor game. You saw the presence of losing some key hitters. You lose eight to one. What have they done since then? They've dominated. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a step back, but you know, yeah, look the, at the, the end only, of the day, the only I, team that's thrown them around is the number five team in the country. Who and they pitched, really did? They who, really throw us around? Who, did who, they really throw us around? Exactly. It was competitive. There were competitive games. So, and, and, and not to mention Saturday, I'm, we scored three runs on arguably the best pitcher in college softball. Look, I'm not expecting to. I, mean, look, I hate. I hate to say it. I don't think this team is going to win a national championship just based off the circumstances. No, but, but I'd, I'd, I'd bet I'd bet my hard-earned dollar that they make it to Oklahoma City. They got a shot might, in spite of injuries. In spite of injuries, they got a shot. That's exactly right. Here's the thing. There's only one path to do that. You got to continue to develop your second and third starting pitching. It, it's starting pitchers. It does not matter at this point. You're not going to host a regional. You're not going to host a super, I don't believe. RPI is really insignificant at this point based on the record. And a lot of that is due to injury. Okay. We all understand that continue to develop pitching, destroy the league, get a high, as high a seat as you can in a regional and go win that. 
That that's the goal right now. Mm-hmm. Beating Alabama is not the goal. Sure, it would have been nice, but you you showed the team and you showed Alabama, you showed the country you can compete even with the injuries and the the unfortunate situations that happened this weekend. So just continue to develop pitching and, and get as high a seed as you can get. That's yeah. what I would say. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, like like I mentioned this weekend, they'll travel to Conway, South Carolina, play a three game set with Coastal before coming home next weekend to host ULM before the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. One more thing we got to discuss before we get out of here, guys. And Jerry, I, I you told me that you're going to take this one. It's our weekly edition of the Region Review Rant. Tell me what you got. Okay, well, my Region Review Rant this weekend, I'm glad Josh is here for this because I'll let him add in some, some stuff because I think this is a perfect topic for him. Um, the other night after the heartbreaking loss to Little Rock, uh, as we know, Cajuns lost on a bad fielding error. Little Rock scores two runs, top bottom of the tent to win four to three. And people are already talking about finding a new baseball coach. Um, Let's be real. First of all, this is Matt Deggs' first full season, okay? First full season at the helm. He hasn't even coached a full season of baseball yet. He's above 500 right now at his overall record as the coach for Louisiana Raging Cajuns. And then on top of that, not to mention, um, in spite of everything that's happened, he basically had to almost start from scratch this year. I mean, look, he really had to turn over a lot of guys who were starters. I mean, starters last season that either didn't come back, graduated, you had Hayden Cantrell going to the draft. So he had a full, almost a full roster turnover on both ends, whether it's on pitching uh, or, or batting, including, I mean, we're still playing with the defensive lineup. We're still trying to find who can play defense. And so everybody trying to throw this stuff out. We need a new baseball coach. He's not doing enough. Look, when Coach Tony passed away, all right, there was one name, there was one man who everybody, including myself, wanted. It was Matt Deggs, and we got him. He's here. And you know what? You know, he, he's the guy. Uh, he's the guy. He's, he's so far, he's shown that he can win here in spite of a brand new team. And people are already ready to say we need a new baseball coach. I mean, you're not even good. Can we at least let the man coach a full, a couple of full seasons before making that judgment? And then on top of that, uh, we're still in the running for regional. We're still in the running for the conference championship. And yet we're ready because we're not the number one team, like in 2014 with a brand new roster, all of a sudden we're ready to go and and, and want to fire the guy. Are you serious? Give the man a break. Let him coach. We're paying him to do a job. Give him time. It will get fixed. Okay. Be patient. If that were the case, you would be calling for Billy Napier uh, to get fired because his first year, he went seven and seven and look where we are now. Right. So all this talk about wanting to find a new coach and this ain't, he's not the guy and all that. Don't be ridiculous. Come on guys. Let's be real here. Give the man some time. He's the, he's the guy to get it done. And in the way he knows that he straight up apologized. He straight up apologized to Cajun nation after the South Alabama series talking about that's not Cajun baseball. I want to apologize for the fans for our lack of uh, a lack of effort. I don't see any, look, I love our coaches. I don't see any, I haven't seen any other coaches apologize. So Obviously, he knows the job's important. He knows the expectations are important. Give the man his time. He went, he barely went above 500 in 2015 in his first season as head coach at Sam Houston. Two years later, he's in a super regional. So give the man his time. Let him do what he can do. He's a fantastic coach, a fantastic guy. And you know what? I think he's going to reach his goals in a very short time. Cajun Nation, please, two words, be patient. Jerry, I appreciate your thoughts. I give Matt credit a ton of credit, uh, Matt Deggs a ton of credit for apologizing to the fan base. I think that was a noble thing to do. Full disclosure, I was one of the voices that said I want Matt Deggs here because I thought it made sense, uh, like most people did. Uh, having said all that, I do not like the way he's coached this baseball team. 
And that's just being honest. However, it is year one. So it is what it is. He's not going anywhere, but yeah, I, I mean, I understand why people are pissed <laughs> and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but uh, listen, guys, I got to get out of here. It's been a, a lot of fun to be back. I want to leave on a couple of positive notes with baseball. You found your Sunday, your Saturday starter with Connor cook. That's awesome. Going forward. I want to give a big shout out to TR for playing incredible defense this weekend after he was kind of lackluster against South Al. So great to see that. Um, I think at this point in the season, we have an opportunity to get on a run and start peaking at the right time. That's the beauty of this team. It's still very capable. We still have all the tools we need. So don't give up on them. If, if you're giving up on this team, you don't know what the hell you're looking at. And then uh, I really want to give another shout out to like a 15th year starter, uh, Brennan Bro, who got his 100th career hit in a Cajun uniform over the weekend, as did Brett Borgonio, by the way, uh, 100th career college hit. Uh, but Brennan has had, you know, he went 0 for 4 on Saturday, but he saw, I'm sorry, on Sunday, but he saw 34 pitches. That is, you know, Top Ham mentioned that on the broadcast, and I thought that was incredible. Uh, but Brennan has got to be a big, a bigger a cog in the wheel of this offense because he's seen so many things. He's been playing the game in D1 long enough. We got to be able to rely on a guy like that in, in key situations, a guy that can shoulder the burden and lead. And I think he'll do that going forward. So thanks for having me back, guys. It was a lot of fun. Baseball is yet to be determined. You know, just keep the faith and, and we'll talk again soon. But I got to roll. Absolutely, Josh. Appreciate you, man. All right, boys. Take care. And, you know, Jerry, you and I, you and I can go ahead and, and, and wrap it up here. You know, one thing, one, I, I do want to touch on the, the comments that you made and, and I, I agree with them. I think the people that are, are, are saying that Matt Deggs is the wrong hire. It's just simply incorrect. Um, but at the same time, I agree with Josh, you know, as, as much as I think Deggs is the right guy, I don't like the way he's handling things right now. Uh, we, we, we talked, we talked about it at length earlier, you know, the, the mixing and moving around of the lineup in late April, you just can't be doing that. You can't. Yeah. And I, and, and look, I, I, I said it earlier, you know, the, the inconsistencies, I think some of it has to do with moving around the lineup. You know, but, I mean, it takes a mental toll on you and I understand a lot of coaches and probably coach Deggs. I don't know. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but you know, some coaches believe it doesn't matter at any time, any place you have to be ready to go. Um, I think the thing is, though, is, you know, I don't know how, how yesterday showed me that this team has some mental toughness. But at the same time, is that consistent? Is that something that's 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 reliable? Because then they go into a three game skid, a four game skid, and then they lose heartbreakers like they did against Little Rock on Saturday night. Well, that takes its toll as well, especially when you move the lineup around. There's so many different factors that play a role in that. But I do think now. Um, you know, hopefully as, as the season goes on, I think we found some of our niche, the niche, uh, niche positions. I think we found, uh, certain areas where I think there's more consistency. Um, but I think you're right. I mean, moving forward, you can't, I, I wouldn't move the lineup as much, but that still doesn't take away the fact that I think Matt Deggs is here to stay. He's the guy, uh, he's done a fantastic job under the circumstances coming in two years ago. And, um, I trust that he's going to, he's going to be, uh, he's going to, be not only a great coach, but do some great things for us. Maybe if not this year, but the next couple of years. Again, everybody was doubting Billy Napier's first year. Lost to Coastal Carolina at home, went seven and seven, you know, um, and then look at him now. He's the hottest. He's been 21 and four since then. 
He's so, the hottest named coach in America right now, outside of, of, of a Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney. So, I mean, what, <laughs> can, let's let's give the man a little bit longer right. than a year to see what he can do. And, and I think he will do some great things. And next year, the year after, we can come back and laugh at this. Absolutely. Jerry, before, before we go, I'm looking at D1Baseball.com, and I'm looking at their projected field of 64. And there, there's a couple of things that, that I want to discuss. And, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and disclose this. Louisiana is listed as a three seed in Austin hmm. currently granted that was six days ago. So that was before losing two out of three to little rock. I don't know how it'll stand. Um, looks like they were, they were released on the 20th. So maybe a new projection will come out tomorrow. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure, but another thing I want to talk about is how disgusting is it that they are projecting Louisiana tech to host a regional. Well, I, I guarantee you that might have changed this weekend when they took they lost because two uh two out of four to Marshall, a six win Marshall team at home. Um that, that I'm sure just, that didn't help. That that's just painful to think about. Let them have their year, man. I mean, look, what and, and yeah, we laugh oh. about it, but it's one year. It's and, not like uh that's not sustainable. And and then the last thing we need to talk about Fairfield University. Yeah, how about that? If, if anybody's been living under a rock. Fairfield University is currently holding the number two seed in RPI rankings in the country. They are also, I'm going to pull up a tweet that they posted, um, you know, asking, asking the NCAA to quote unquote rank them. And here's, here's their resume. They're 25 and 0 on the year. They're the only unbeaten team in all of college baseball. They're 12-0 against top 100 RPI teams. They're outscoring their opponents 212-63. to And they're ranked number two in the RPI. Their pitching staff ERA is 2.63, lowest in the country. They hold a 3.7 strikeout-to-walk ratio. They have a staff whip of .97, also the lowest in the NCAA. And then in hitting, you ready for this? A 327 team batting average, third in the country. Wow. A 519 slugging percentage, fourth in the country. A 425 on base percentage, fourth in the country. You know, just crazy, just crazy statistics for this MAAC baseball program, right? According, yeah. according to D1 Baseball, you ready for this? They're going to be a four seed. In Louisville. Quality of competition, man. Quality of competition. Um, you no, know, the number, reason why the Cajuns... Number two in the RPI rank, and they're a four seed? I mean, I, I'm, not, I, I'm, not that, saying, I'm not saying give these guys a national seed, but de- a four seed? Take a look. What's their record in quad four, though? That's the question. I mean, I, I'd have to... I look, mean, look, they're I'd number two. The There's no doubt. Number that, two. But they're 12-0 and 0 against top 100 RPI teams. I agree. I mean, that's weird. Um, I mean, I guess that's the only explanation is quality of competition. I don't know why. I mean, look, they're undefeated, aren't they? Yeah, 25 and 0. Uh, yeah, they're undefeated. I don't know. I can't explain that. You know, uh, that's one of those things. I'll, le- I'll leave that to the uh, the the baseball analysts to, uh, to break that down. But um, anytime you see a 25 and 0 record in college baseball or any baseball team for that matter, and you're, you know, you're 12 and 0 against top 100 RPI, you're number two in the RPI. I mean, that's that's national seed numbers right there. Right. I mean, the Cajuns had that in 2014. Um, now granted it helps when you're playing in the Sun Belt, 
in baseball, which was a top, I think like top 10 conference in 2014. Plus you had some key wins over schools like Alabama and LSU. But yeah, I agree. I mean, you're 25 and 0, number two in RPI. Uh, why you're being picked as a four seed, I don't know. I mean, you should at least be a two seed. I mean, there's at least a two seed. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's absolutely mind blowing if if you ask. Weird, me. very but, weird. You know, song and dance for another day, I guess. Uh, Jerry, yeah. you know that that's gonna do it for this episode of Rage and Review. Like we said earlier, uh, the Cajuns will host ULM in baseball tomorrow night, 6 p.m. at Russo Park with a 5.30 pregame. This game will not be on ESPN+. Plus. You can catch it on ESPN 1420 with Brad Topham and Jay Walker. And also softball will be in Conway, South Carolina this weekend for the three-game set with Coastal. Jerry, appreciate you joining me as always. Cajun Nation, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Rage and Review. RageandReviewPod.com. You can get all the podcast episodes and more over there. And lastly, we've got some big news coming up. We're not going to digest. We're not going to digress into that quite yet. Um, that'll be, like I said, a song and dance for another time. Jerry, appreciate you joining me as always, my man. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. All right, as always, go Cajuns. Go Cajuns.